Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of the ChronosFit Weekly Dispatch. I'm Sean, and I'm here in Washington, D.C. to get out front of the American and geopolitical news cycle. This week, we'll be covering the news from the 6th through the 13th of July. Our main topics globally will be Iran, China, and Venezuela, followed up by a brief summary of the proposed changes to the education policy and federal aid, challenges from the Trump administration in regards to the Affordable Care Act, and the challenges facing the 2020 census. This podcast is sponsored by Paragon Recovery. Use the code CRONUS15 to get incredible recovery products, keeping you training at higher levels and prepared for the challenges ahead. This week's global news segment kicks off discussing the current sanctions levied against Iran and the fallout from the last four years of U.S. economic policy. In 2015, the Iran sanctions the United States began enforcing uh, was in an attempt to prevent Iranian nuclear buildup. Under that policy, Iran was exporting nearly 98% of its low-yield enriched uranium, and it dismantled nearly two-thirds of the 19,000 centrifuges that it owned. Additionally, it took steps to fill its Iraq uh, location with cement in order to show in good faith that it would no longer seek higher enrichment levels. However, last year, the United States left that agreement when President Trump demanded more provisions in the treaty to limit Iranian nuclear progress. Following those sanctions on Iran in late June of 2019, Iran began the slow process of amassing more nuclear fuel. The U.S. stepped up its policy of pressuring senior leaders in Iran as it entered a long waiting game, hoping to see if cutting off oil exports, restricting access to international banks, and in general, decreasing the vitality of the Iranian economy uh, would do anything to limit the Iranian aggression. Iran sits on the north shore of the Persian Gulf. Uh, From the Persian Gulf, you cross a 21-mile-wide strait of Hormuz, and then that leads into the Gulf of Oman. Since May, there have been six attacks on tankers believed to have been struck by mines placed by the Iranian Navy. The southern coast of the Persian Gulf, uh, going from west to east, uh, you'll see Iraq, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and Oman Incredibly important this body of water is because nearly 20% of global oil supplies flows through that Strait of Hormuz. This week, however, Iran breached the limits on the uranium enrichment and is suspected of continuing progress towards an end goal of getting to weapons-grade levels. In this move, Iran is attempting to pressure the European nations into paying the cost of those sanctions levied by the United States, and Tehran says it's going to increase enrichment beyond the 3.76% purity level which was the previous ceiling. President Rouhani ordered his engineers last May to cross the threshold unless European nations compensated the country, which was his attempt to prevent increases to rising international tensions. However, Europe at the time didn't believe that issuing more sanctions, even giving a marginal increase to enrichment levels in Iran at 5%, which is often used to fuel reactors, was necessary. And historically, Iran hasn't approached the 90% levels which would be necessary for weapons-grade material. And if it were to even get to, say, 20%, it would still take months, if not years, to begin developing systems to support weapons-grade fuel. The economic toll, though, on Iran is quite significant because of the decreases in oil exports. So Iranian exports dropped to roughly 300,000 barrels a day. When you compare that to the 1 million a day, that they had when they initially agreed to the 2015 deal, we've seen a dramatic decrease in the purchasing power of Iran in the Middle East. 
And since the sanctions, Iran's economy has seen inflation rise to 50%. The fallout of this, we saw this past Thursday in the Strait of Hormuz when a British tanker was approached by three Iranian vessels in an attempt to force a British retreat. The Iranian forces warned they might try to seize a ship after British forces impounded another Iranian tanker last week off the coast of Gibraltar, which was suspected of violating the EU embargo of oil sales to Syria. Tensions right now are at an all-time high after those several tanks on uh, the tankers, excuse me, several attacks on the tankers. Additionally, the tensions between the United States and Iran with the downing of the U.S. drone two weeks ago. And the Persian Gulf, just again to hit it up, is incredibly important because in the past two decades alone, with the growth of some of the international markets, namely China and India, uh, that oil consumption has nearly tripled to support uh, a growing, uh, expanding middle-class economy. And Iran is ninth in the world for that uh, export level. And right now we're seeing a huge increase uh, and impact on that, uh, that economic system within the country of Iran. More to follow. Our second international topic will be focusing on China and Hong Kong. This past June, thousands of protesters went against Hong Kong's leader, Carrie Lam, after she suspended a controversial bill which would have allowed China to infringe more on the city's national security. Hong Kong currently exists in a one-country, one-party, and and two-system agreement, which was established by the Sino-British Joint Declaration in 1997 by then-Chinese Premier Zhao and British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. That agreement was supposed to last 50 years and would allow individuals within Hong Kong to have some sort of autonomy in picking their elected leaders and who was going to be their chief executive. However, since 1997, Hong Kong has seen an increase in pressures from Beijing and President Xi in order to influence that economy and that government with more communism uh, and, and more authoritarian control. Protesters' specific issues with this bill stem from the idea that if the bill is not killed and is merely suspended, it's going to come back. The bill was first introduced in 2017, and Ms. Lam promised that it would pass quickly. However, opposition grew, the primary fear being that the bill would offer China an opportunity to further influence uh, legislation, uh, education legislation, security legislation, and individuals could be extradited to mainland China, uh, which just added fears to freedom of speech uh, within Hong Kong. Hong Kong is run by a 1,200-member committee, and that's currently weighed heavily in Beijing's favor, especially when it comes to electing another chief executive. Individuals within Hong Kong now are just weary. In the future, they're going to have more and more rights infringed on, which would violate the 50-year agreement. Uh, again, initially signed back in 1997. All right, guys, our last international topic will be discussing Venezuela as it's seeing its largest economic slide in 45 years. Within the country, hyperinflation is tearing the economic base apart as it's experiencing rolling blackouts, limited cell service, and a starving population, all this caused by U.S. economic policy. Uh, Typically, hyperinflation occurs following a civil war, global war, massive devastation, or a significant lack of exports and imports. U.S. sanctions on Venezuela's oil, which is the world's largest reserve, has made it impossible for Venezuela to have any source of direct income, 
this in an attempt to have President Maduro cede his power to the opposition leader, Mr. Guaido. Additionally, Venezuelan bonds are now illegal to trade, and imports on food and medication are becoming more difficult and scarce. Venezuela reported losing nearly $20 billion in 2018, uh, in addition to one-tenth of its population fleeing poverty. Hyperinflation in general can be caused by many things, but mostly is caused by cheapening of the real value of money. Uh, as that money loses its real value, uh, considering some macroeconomic theory for the value of the money, uh, as the total value, or excuse me, as the total money in a population grows to combat increased prices, i.e. printing more money and seeing an entire barrel full only buy a loaf of bread, um, you'll see that price level associated with the transaction and the real value of goods start increasing. So you print more and all of a sudden stuff all of a sudden wants to become more costly and it's a runaway effect, especially if they don't have a central bank which can control this. And Venezuela is socialist and much like a petrol state, so much of their goods were valued based on that oil export. In the United States, if we had an issue with inflation as we have in the past, uh, the Federal Reserve can combat that money supply through the control of overnight interest rates, the banks, and how its loaning and lending practices uh, are operating, which adjusts interest rates um, in addition to selling some bonds. And without the ability to sell or trade bonds like the United States did in World War II to increase production, you've seen it in uh, Captain America with Steve Rogers, uh, Venezuela loses a key way to deflate some of that rapid growth. And with oil prices at a high, given tensions in the Middle East, it's unclear how long um, this current state will last. Year-end estimates of the economy see it shrinking by 62%, which in contrast to the USSR when it was beginning, its downward spiral was only experiencing 30%. The first topic we're going to cover for U.S. news is the Supreme Court and census debate currently going on within the Justice Department. Washington, D.C., we're seeing Justice Department lawyers pressing ahead to add the citizenship question to that 2020 census, which is now becoming a key voting issue between the candidates on the Democratic side and something we'll see in Senate races coming up for 2021. Last week, the Supreme Court blocked the citizenship question on the grounds uh, for the rationale behind even implementing it to the census. Uh, this was in a way to better enforce the Voting Rights Act in 1965. Chief Justice Roberts left his opinion open, however, uh, opening up a possibility for future presentations. The census is key to drawing up state and local political boundaries. And again, another ruling from the Supreme Court last week, which makes this so important. Um, they ruled against a measure which would prevent gerrymandering and drawing up uh, partisan lines to influence elections. So Democrats want the question taken off to prevent potential uh, deportation efforts um, by those supporting uh, some of the Republican policies, especially going on on the southern border. And then Republicans want the question to enforce better representation in higher Democratic regions, uh, in addition to uh, finding out exactly what the demographics are in each major uh, voting region. Uh, however, Congress in the past has limited uh, presidential action to issue executive authority over the census. Uh, the Supreme Court recognizes this, so it's unclear how this is going to go forward um, in the next week or two as the Justice Department is also attempting to trade out the lawyers that argued the original case in an attempt to bring up some different information and different data points uh, to get that question added for 2020.
Still within the court system, uh, we're now going to cover the 2010 Affordable Care Act and some of the legislative problems it's faced, as well as those in the federal court system. This week, a federal judge in Texas, Judge O'Connor, struck down the Affordable Care Act, finding the law's requirement for people to be forced to buy insurance uh, unconstitutional. And as a result of the findings, uh, the entire law is recommended to be dismantled. In 2017, Trump tax cuts eliminated a, a penalty. Uh, if you didn't purchase health care, uh, which was upheld in a 2012 ruling in the Supreme Court uh, through Congress's power to impose taxes. Uh, because the power to enforce taxes is no longer constitutional, uh, the judge in Texas's ruling uh, means that the entirety of that act should also uh, be unconstitutional. If the O'Connor decision stands, uh, the number of uninsured Americans would increase by 20 million and insurers would no longer have to cover young adults up to 26 on parents' plans. Annual and lifetime limits on coverage would be permitted. Uh, there would also be no cap for out-of-pocket medical costs, and pre-existing conditions would be subject to insurance refusal or even higher costs. The Kaiser Family Foundation estimates that 52 million adults ages 18 to 64 would be rejected for market coverage under the practice uh, in effect before um, the Affordable Care Act uh, was created. In Washington, D.C., Secretary DeVos uh, this past June ended an Obama-era regulation reviewing for-profit universities. Uh, the gainful employment rule, which was issued in 2014, was supposed to be a standard for universities to prove increasing costs and increasing loans to students led to higher performance and higher reviews uh, when job-seeking. Under that standard, schools would be required to disclose comparison of student debt and uh, graduate and career earnings. However, Secretary DeVos argues transparency, not regulation, is the best way to hold schools accountable. Um, and instead, now the Department of Education will expand databases tracking loan debt information and postgraduate information in a college scorecard system. Critics contend the repeal of the 2014 rule will take away the critical ability that the government had to limit or prohibit federal aid to schools if they could not prove the quality of the education. Congressional Democrats and uh, their departments estimate the repeal is going to cost $6.2 billion, uh, which would provide now more student grants and loans previously denied under more scrutiny by the Department of Education. We're now going to focus on some economic news impacting the United States and a majority of the tech companies that have been moving in and out of the international markets. France and Britain are looking to adjust digital taxation on major tech firms, uh, which have been competing for lower corporate taxes. Motivated by those corporate taxes for increased profits, we've seen companies move internationally in order to maximize returns. However, digital sales are taxed on a very limited scale compared to the gross sales in a country where internet traffic doesn't know national boundaries. On Thursday, France moved to implement a digital tax of 3% on all revenue companies earn from providing French users with services. Global, legal, global leaders are arguing the payments of taxes on digital services have not grown as they should in the past decade, while the same revenue from those companies grows at four times the annual revenue for other multinational companies. And current policies only tax companies based on where their operations and assets are, not where their sales are generated. Our last economic policy is going to focus on some of the bipartisan measures uh, that were introduced by Senator Tim Scott 
who's a Republican from South Carolina, and this is an attempt to increase infrastructure within the United States. Wall Street's looking to take advantage of large tax, bre- tax breaks from 2017 on capital gains taxes uh, by investing in about 8,700 so-called opportunity zones. Uh, the designated areas for this are mostly distressed areas like Detroit, Gary, Indiana, Puerto Rico, parts of Las Vegas, and parts of Long Island, just for an example. Uh, locations, though, vary across all 50 states and territories. Uh, however, no oversight committee has uh, been put to review any regulations for fund allocations, and, and critics are arguing most of those funds will be targeted towards real estate development, uh, something that critics say would have occurred without that tax break anyway. Um, several identified regions are around large metropolitan areas on the east and west coach, which further the argument that the development of those tax breaks will continue towards regions that already see very high levels and large investment. However, the individuals that are looking to do this uh, would increase most of the areas with job uh, and economic growth. So we'll wait to see exactly how this plays out over the next five to 10 years with major projects in line for most metropolitan areas. This week in sports, the U.S. women national soccer team won the 2019 World Cup, defeating Holland 2-0. Big news in the NBA, Anthony Davis is joining LeBron James out in L.A. We should probably also say the Lakers now. Since Kawhi and Paul George are joining L.A., uh, the Clippers as well. Uh, Butler is going to Miami. And then Durant and Carving uh, are going to the Brooklyn Nets. Sorry, Knicks fans. And then you've got CP3 heading to Oklahoma City and Westbrook heading to the Rockets. I can't imagine how many shots Houston will take this year and if Westbrook is going to be able to maintain his triple-double. And then the last news from CrossFit, uh, the format for the games was announced. Essentially, they're going to cut the field in half um, after the first event and then just keep going. So it's going to be very interesting to see how fast guys go out in order to just get to that next round. News to watch for in upcoming events. Uh, We've just seen that the Secretary of Commerce and Labor, Alex Acosta, resigned amid pressure from the Jeffrey Epstein plea deal fallout from 10 years ago. We've got Senate terms ending in 2021 in Congress. Of that, we have 21 Republicans and 12 Democrats. Key individuals that you're going to see that are household names are Mitch McConnell and Cory Booker that are up for re-election. Obviously, Cory Booker is also running out of New Jersey for president. Key House bills that you want to take a look at and follow. Uh, Chuck Schumer has introduced a a joint resolution uh, disapproving the president's proposal to take action relating to the application of certain sanctions with respect to the Russian Federation. Mr. Sasse has introduced a bill to prohibit health care practitioners from failing to exercise care in the case of children who survive abortions. Mr. Cornyn has proposed a bill to amend the Federal Trade Commission to prohibit anti-competitive behaviors by drug manufacturers. This way, the prices would be uh, more limited and less uh, monopolistic. It's not even a word. To prevent monopolies from occurring. Uh, They're also going to review NASA's plans for the International Space Station and then review the road to recovery in Puerto Rico. And on a final note, the Lion King soundtrack is out. The Ed Sheeran soundtrack is out. If you need something to work out to, one of those is Cronus Fit Approved. 
and the other one is as well.